Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Yeah, hello? Nate. Hey man, it's Luke. Oh, hey, what's up Luke? How you doing bud? I'm doing alright. Hey, I got a question for you. Yeah, of course. To the very best of your memory, or your best guess, 30 years ago right now, what do you think you were asking for for Christmas? Uh, I don't know if I could hit the specific thing, but I'm very certain it would have been a Nintendo game. Of the things that you may have asked for at Christmas of 1990, what's the one thing you wish you still had today? Oh, I mean, honestly, probably <laughs> it's still that Nintendo game. Those things are collectors. That's true. You probably have them, though, don't you? Don't you have like 10 different gaming systems today? Yeah, I, I do. I still have the Nintendo looking at it now. It still works, but, you know, I'm still a, a little boy inside. One of my favorite things about you, Nate, is that you kind of still are who you were then. Like, I think your interests today are probably the same as they were in 1990. Are you kidding? I'm hoping against hope that I get a PS5 for Christmas. <laughs> Here's hoping that you get it and that you invite me over to play it and we can act like 11-year-olds together. That's right. All right, man. Well, hey, uh, we need to have you on 30 Pop again. It's been way too long. Oh, I'm ready. Hope you're doing well, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Luke. Have a great Christmas. See ya. From Milieu Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Braun. This is Season 2, Episode 47, A Dirty Bird and a Crossover Queen. Today, we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, December 1st, 1990. Hello, friends, and happiest of holidays to you and yours. I honestly can't believe we've made it to December, finally. Normally, I'd say already, but this has been such a long year for so many, I genuinely wasn't sure the finish line would ever come into vision. Here we are looking at 2021 with cautious hope. One bit of good news I can offer as we prepare for the new year is, once again, that there were some spectacular pop culture highlights in 1991, which means whatever 2021 has in store for us, good or bad, we'll at least get to enjoy our weekly peek back together. For now, though, we're down to our final five episodes looking back at glorious 1990, and I can assure you there is still plenty of nostalgia in store. Today, however, much to my chagrin, to put it nicely, is going to be a bit different than expected. I had every intention of sharing another Home Alone cast member interview with you today, as Home Alone was once again the top earner at the box office this week in 1990. But, for technical reasons beyond my control, I'm forced to delay till next week. But with as many weeks and months as we have to discuss this perfect film, I'm choosing not to stress about rushing through these very fun interviews. Which means today will be a pretty short update, just to make sure we don't lose any yardage, metaphorically speaking, between now and the end of the year. That should be easy enough, considering how very few changes we saw on the pop culture landscape this week in 1990. For example, as I mentioned, we had the same number one film in the country as last week with Home Alone. We also had the same number one album with Vanilla Ice's To the Extreme. 
The same number one song on the hot rap chart with Candyman's Knockin' Boots and the hot country chart with KT Oslin's Come Next Monday and the series finale of yet another cartoon from the Disney Afternoon with DuckTales, a week after one of its spinoffs, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, called it quits. The only real bits of pop culture news this week in 1990 were in the form of a massive new R&B single and the release of a very creepy award-winning movie adaptation of an even more creepy novel. We'll start there. On November 30th, 1990, Rob Reiner released the film version of Stephen King's critically acclaimed 1987 psychological horror-thriller novel, Misery, starring Kathy Bates and James Caan. You almost died. You have a compound fracture of the tibia in both legs, and the fibula in the right leg is fractured, too. And as soon as the roads open, I'll take you to a hospital. In the meantime, you've got a lot of recovering to do. There is nothing to worry about. You're going to be just fine. I'm your number one fan. My name is Annie Wilkes. I think one of my clients, Paul Sheldon, might be in some kind of trouble. You mean Paul Sheldon, the writer? Well, everybody sure likes those misery books. They had it at the store, Paul. They said he checked out last Tuesday. Isn't that a little strange? I guess it was kind of a miracle you finding me. In a way, I was following you. You were following me? Oh, Paul, I've read everything of yours, but the misery novels... You must be a good man. You could never have created such a wondrous, loving creature as Misery Chastain. Very kind. The presumption must now be that Paul Sheldon is dead. You dirty bird. How could you? Misery Chastain cannot be dead. Misery Spirit is still alive. I don't want her spirit! I want her! And you murdered her! You don't think he's dead, do you? And don't even think about anybody coming for you, because I never called them. Nobody knows you're here. And you better hope nothing happens to me. Because if I die, you die. I know you've been out. Is this what you're looking for? Eventually, you'll come to accept the idea of being here. Annie, whatever you think I'm not doing, please don't do it. Annie, for God's Shh, darling. Trust me. God's sake. It's for the best. God, I love you. I'm honestly not sure I'd ever seen this film in its entirety before this week. I know I'd seen bits and pieces, and I may have watched it in a single sitting before, but I definitely hadn't seen it enough for it to be super familiar. So I rewatched it this week, and with the exception of a few scenes that just made me really uncomfortable, I loved it. It's no wonder that Kathy Bates won the Academy Award for Best Actress for her portrayal of the film's psychotic villain, Annie Wilkes, the following year. She and James Caan each delivered pretty amazing performances. And while some of the violence in it was legitimately cringe-inducing for my particular sensibilities, I will say it's significantly less violent than the book from which it was adapted. For example, there's a memorable scene in the film in which Annie Wilkes breaks the protagonist, Paul Sheldon's ankles, with a sledgehammer. That scene kills me. But in the book, she goes so far as to chop his foot off with an axe, then cauterize his ankle with a blowtorch. I'm very thankful to have not seen that in the movie. Anyway... It's an excellent film and well worth the $61 million it grossed at the box office worldwide. 
The other big success from this week in 1990 belonged to the one and only true queen of pop and R&B, all due respect to Beyonce, Whitney Houston, with her eighth consecutive number one single, I'm Your Baby Tonight. Thirty years ago this week, this song claimed the number one spot on both the Billboard Hot 100 and Hot R&B and Hip Hop charts. And while it was a big hit, and while it totally still holds up in my humble opinion, Whitney's repertoire is such that this song doesn't even crack her top 15 for most list makers. That being said, it's definitely worth talking about. The song was written by production power duo Babyface and L.A. Reid, who seem to be popping up with increasing regularity on 30 Pop. And while it is infectiously hooky, and while Whitney was already a bona fide superstar, uniquely gifted with the vocal chops and pop appeal to pull this song off, I'm both shocked and delighted that it made such a splash. The reason being, it doesn't follow the formula for pop success. Most successful pop songs throughout modern Western history are in a major key and in 4-4 time. They're typically pretty predictable rhythmically and melodically, not to say they're not interesting or well-written, they just tend to be interesting and well-written within those particular parameters of music theory. But here's Whitney in a minor key and in 12-8 time, singing triplets galore throughout the bridge sections of this song, of which there are more than one might normally expect. The song's only weakness, in fact, if you ask me, is in its lyrical content. The lyrics are fine, except for the fact that she sings the word baby nearly 40 times over the course of about four and a half minutes. Regardless, it's a fantastic song from a true pop icon who I'm confident, were she alive and well today, would still be crushing it. All right, friends, believe it or not, that's all we've got for today, but I'll definitely be back next week, and I promise to have my technical issues sorted out so we can get back to our long look back at Home Alone. In the meantime, be sure to follow us online at 30pop on Facebook and Twitter and at 30pop Podcast on Instagram. And if you have a minute, stop by 30pop.com and leave a message on the answering machine. It just might get used in a future episode. Until next week, this whole house is going to be full of romance. I'm going to put on my Liberace records. 30pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Braun. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1990 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>